Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 280 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and, of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are checking me out live right now. As always, I remind you guys, make sure that you are subscribed and you click that notification bell so that you never miss a live video of TNC. That way you can get in on the chat and you can get in on the phones you never miss us. But if you can't join us Mondays, 5 p.m. Eastern time, you guys know the audio pod comes out the next day, every Tuesday on my uh, personal platforms, Montero on Boxing. All you got to do is search for Montero on Boxing, the neutral corner. Boom. You're going to find me on podcast platforms all around the world. There was another one that we just joined last week. I can't even remember the name of it. I get like emails from these different platform saying hey you've been added to this platform you've been added to that platform okay cool i don't i don't know there's a million of them so wherever you listen to podcasts you guys can find me okay and by any chance if you find one out there that i'm not on just let me know and we'll we'll take care of that but as far as i know i'm on all 50 billion of them uh tnc 280 for the week of september 04 we are supposed to be joined by American heavyweight contender Michael the Bounty Hunter today. So um, hopefully he'll be on the chat in the next few minutes and I can uh, bring him in and we can chat with him uh, about a bunch of different things. Of course, he had a fight earlier this month and there was a um, world star hip hop did a little like 20 minute um, documentary just kind of following him around in New York during that um, during fight week mostly for that fight that he had on Triller uh, up there at MSG in New York. So uh, that was pretty cool. We'll talk about that and uh, what he wants to do. He should have a fight coming up possibly in October, but definitely in the fourth quarter of the year, he's going to fight again, which is good because uh, after the pandemic, you know, he had some momentum going into 2020 and then the pandemic hit and it seems like it all kind of stalled. So if he could get on, we will talk to him. If not, we'll get him on later in the month, okay? Uh, so for right now, let's just jump right into news and notes. And, um, you know, there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about right now. But um, we're going to do it, man. We do shows uh, regardless, rain, snow, or shine. By the way, it is thunderstorming like crazy outside. Uh, another one of these, what would know, I was going to say tropical storm, but I think this one's actually a hurricane hit this weekend so uh it's it's raining like crazy outside if the audio is a little fuzzy if things go in and out i promise you guys it's not me bailing on you it's just the the wacky weather down here in atlanta all right so as far as news and notes go there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about at the moment but i want to let you guys know of course um this monday coming up here in the united states is the labor day holiday and um I'm not going to do TNC next Monday, September 6th. I'm also not going to do a Friday wrap-up show, a live one, this uh, Friday. However, I do have something pre-recorded that I'm going to share with you guys Friday. So I'll I'll premiere that Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, so you guys will have something to check out that I think you'll enjoy, something a little different this Friday on my personal channel, Montero Unboxing. So it won't be the Friday wrap-up, won't be a live video, with, uh, with your phone calls and everything like that. But um, it'll be something pre-recorded that you guys, I, I think, will will enjoy. Something different, something um, motivational, educational, and insightful more than anything. So uh, check that out this Friday on my channel. And then Monday, September 6th, 
uh, I'm going to be taken off the, the holiday, Labor Day holiday. Um, I'm going to be chilling with my family. So going to be going to the beach and enjoying some time with uh, some family. Me and my wife are going to be going out to the ocean and um, meeting up with family members and just relaxing for a few days. They're going to be drinking and eating and being merry. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to be good. I'm still going to be doing my road work out there, but um, trying to enjoy myself a little bit as well. So just want to let you guys know that, okay? Um, so this Friday, we got something for you on my channel, but Monday, nothing, no TNC. However, next Friday, we're going to be back with the Friday wrap-up on my personal channel, all right? And then we're back to the regular schedule. Wanted to let you guys know that. Also, um, let me share my screen here. I want you guys input on this. For those of you who are on Twitter, and I shared the link in the chat to this, but if you follow me on Twitter, just, just go to my Twitter profile and uh, check out this poll that I just posted this like a couple hours ago, okay? Um, so I'm just, I'm just asking you guys, did you buy the Paul Woodley pay-per-view? Or if you watched it, did you buy it or did you stream it? And when I say stream it, I don't mean you paid for the pay-per-view stream. I mean, did you illegally stream it for free? Okay, I don't want to put the word illegal in the tweet because the Twitter people, will, you know, they'll do what they do and shadow ban me or whatever. So I kept it, you know, PC. But you guys just read between the lines what I'm saying here. So or, or did you completely ignore it, which is what I did. So those are the three options, all right? So I'll vote in this poll because only about 400 of you have voted so far because I just posted this. But I want to get a good sample size. I want to see if I can get like 1,000 people to vote in this. So there's, there's three options. You paid for it, your team stream, or you didn't watch, okay? Go over to my Twitter profile and check that out and uh, make sure that you vote on that because I, I want to get your input on this. I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious because <sighs> – We'll talk about that pay-per-view, obviously, later in the show. But, uh, you know, part of me thinks that thing did over a million pay-per-view buys. Wouldn't surprise me, which would be nuts because Pacquiao's pay-per-view didn't break 300,000, right? So if, if Paul and Woodley broke over a million buys, and I'm looking here so far on my Twitter poll, okay? Um, I'm looking at what 64% of you so far are saying you didn't even watch. Now, only 400 have voted, but still. 27% uh, of you say your team stream. Less than 10% of you on my poll so far say that you actually paid for this. But I'm telling you, it's probably going to do over a million pay-per-view buys. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But it, it, so far, Jake Paul has done numbers. And there was an element to this promotion that was really, really um, – they were promoting to the lowest common denominator to a certain extent which is what the last show did. But this kind of went into a different angle, which I'll get into later. Uh, it's an angle that I hate and can't stand, but it does, it just, it draws views, man. So um, yeah, I, vote on that poll. Let me know what you guys uh, have to say about that. Okay. I'm very, very curious. I want to get an idea of the marketplace. And what, what I, my, my gut feel here and my, my, my guess is that most of you who follow me and listen to the show, watch the show, you know, every Monday you're here chilling with me watching TNC. I think most of you guys out there probably didn't pay for this, right? So I think a lot of diehard boxing fans didn't pay for this, yet it's still going to do over a million buys. So what if that does happen, what does that mean? That means Jake Paul is promoting himself to a different group of fans that 
are not the diehard fans and the fans of these marketing to are not buying the diehard fight fan pay-per-views. They're not buying uh, the Tank Davis's fights. They're not d- buying any of the PBC pay-per-views. Really, they're, they're the only American promoter right now doing pay-per-views regularly. So let's just call it what it is. They're not buying those, right? Um, which will kind of give a little insight into how and why Showtime bought into this thing. Uh, because a lot of had a lot of us been made about that. So, all right, you know what? We're going to get into the, uh, we're going to get right into the review here in a second. I just want to check out some of you guys' comments. We got a bunch of you guys here in the chat. Yeah, so Sparks, Sports Talk with Troy says the overall card was pretty solid. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Chris Bergen agrees. Yeah, the undercard was decent. Um, Twall says, watch it the next day, not paying to watch a YouTuber I barely know versus an O&O boxer, all-time great MMA fighter, old. Hmm. Isan just says, Mike. <laughs> What's up, Isan? Uh, Torid says, watch the Jake Paul fiasco. And the only cards that moved the needle, or the only fights that only moved the needle for me was Dubois and Serrano. Everything else was trash. Yeah, I hear you. Although the love Baranchek fight was interesting, in my opinion. Carlos Cabrera says uh, Dubois did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I agree. Chad Fletcher, come to Captiva Island Labor Day weekend, Mikey. I don't know where that is. Is that in Georgia? We're, we're going to Hilton Head. We're going to Hilton Head. And so that's South Carolina. But that's like kind of – I think that's right on the border. I think that's right on the Georgia-South Carolina border. But it's supposed to be super freaking nice. Oh, Canada Chris won some money. He says, Jake Paul decision paid me $1,100. Sweet. Yeah, man, I told everyone that was the bet. Not that I got everything right this weekend. Um, a lot of people thought Baranchek was going to kill Montana Love, by the way. And I told them, man, we don't know what's left with Baranchek. And we saw that dude is shopworn. Hate to say it, but he did not look good. And so uh, those who put money on Montana Love made some cash. Jake Paul decision. I was surprised that the odds were not wider. It really, really was. Um, Jesus, one foot out the door says Logan and Paul, uh, Logan and Jake Paul fan base, LGBT community. I'm not even touching that, bro. Not even touching that. Charlie Burley says, I never watched that kind of stuff. I've never seen him fight apart from clips. I've never watched Floyd fight McGregor, Paul, or that Japanese kid. I've never seen Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. You know what, Charlie? Same for me. For all of that. So we are in agreement, my friend. All right, let's get right into this review. All right, I, I, I guess Michael can't join. Um, I'll touch base with Michael Hunter's team. Uh, I wasn't 100% sure he'd be on today, but we'll get him later. Um, I'm saying later in the month. We'll get him later in September, okay? Because I want to talk to Michael about a few different things. I think his next fight is going to uh be a lot better than his last two as far as the level of opponent okay uh only one fight card of note last weekend right and it was a sunday card august 29th at the rocket mortgage Fieldhouse in cleveland ohio showtime pay-per-view let's talk about the undercard real quick uh tommy fury unanimous decision over anthony taylor no surprises there Daniel Dubois, this was a bit of a surprise to me not that i'm shocked or anything but tko won over giuseppe angelo cusimano and that was uh, a hell of a performance by Dubois. And it just showed levels. It just showed levels that, look, man, Dubois is not someone to fuck with. Um, a lot of people, are, you know, 
jumped all over him because of that loss to Joyce. Number one, I think Joyce is a bona fide, legitimate top 10 heavyweight. He might be a top five heavyweight. Don't shoot the messenger, but he really might. Seriously, I'm telling you guys, it's it, I, he's very slow, but I, there's something there. I'm telling you right now. Anyway, for Dubois to take on that level of a fight when he did, I think it's going to serve as a learning lesson to him. And don't sleep on, on Daniel Dubois. I think he's still got something to him. But uh, Charles Conwell picked up a TKO3 win over a Mexican fighter, Juan Carlos Rubio. You know, I like Charles Conwell and I like Tim Zhu at 154. Two, uh, you know, I don't even want to call them prospects. They're, I think they're ready to contend right now. Uh, but those guys, I mean, the future of that division looks bright. And um, you, you're getting fighters from different parts of the world now. They're starting to um, infiltrate that division and break up the monopoly that we've had there for a while, uh, the PBC stranglehold there. And it's going to make for some interesting title fights in the coming years. Montana Love scored a seven-round stoppage, a retirement stoppage over Ivan Baranchek. And speaking of retirement, Baranchek might want to consider it. I don't mean to be harsh, man, but this was a one-sided fight, guys. And I'm telling you, a lot. I don't know what the betting odds were. Some of you betters out there, let me know. But I feel like a lot of people were putting money on Baranchek and, and, and thinking that Montana Love was just going to get smoked because he hadn't fought anybody. And I tried telling you guys last week, and I said it on Twitter over and over again. Uh, we don't know what to expect from Baranchek, man. He had that brutal fight late last year with Zepeda. Took a ton of punishment. Showed an insane heart. He was in great shape for that fight. But finally, when it, it, that sort of fight, it really takes so much out of you, man. It, it, it's almost better to get blasted out in one round. I know it doesn't look good. But getting blasted out in one round prolongs your career more so than getting beat up over seven, eight, nine, ten rounds. And that's what happened with Baranchek. I can't remember how many times he was down, but he was down multiple times against Zapata. And Zapata was dropped too, but Zapata looked more solid throughout, I felt. And Baranchek just got busted up so bad. And then finally, the brutal knockout after all the punishment he took. And then he was out of the ring, and he went right from that to an undefeated prospect with a lot of talent. Unproven, untested, yes, but a lot of talent. You can't deny Montana Love has skills. Again, I saw him up close here in Atlanta earlier this year, and I said, okay, there's something to that kid. So when Branchek took that fight, I mean, no tune-up. You know what I'm saying? Mikey Garcia and all these guys, American fighters, always talking about tune-ups. These guys from overseas – especially the Eastern European guys, man, they just throw them in. These guys don't get tune-ups. They just throw them into the deep waters, right? And with Baranchek, he went right back in there and um, just didn't look good in this fight, man. The scores, so he, he got dropped, I think, in the, what, seventh round and then made it to his corner, but his corner stopped the fight after that, didn't come out for the eighth. Here's the thing, guys, the scores, now maybe these were a Bit too wide, but they pretty much reflected what the fight was. The scores were 70 to 62 and 69, 63 twice at the time of the stoppage, right? So Love was way ahead. Now, maybe you could give another round or two to Branchek, maybe. But um, look, uh, Love is from Ohio. Fight car was in Ohio. You knew who was going to win on the cards anyway. But man, that was a really one sided fight. And what happened if you looked at the punch output from Branchek? It was it was down from his you know recent fights overall. Just punches thrown per round was down by like twenty or thirty punches a round. 
But by the time they got to the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh round, it had dropped even from where it was in the early rounds. So when you see a guy's punch output drop dramatically in one fight after a beatdown like he took against a paid and a bad knockout, and then his output drop from in one fight from the early rounds into the middle rounds going into the late rounds, you could just see, man, that the wear and tear is there. And for Baranchek and his team, they need to have a really tough discussion because he has now lost three of four. And he took some punishment in this fight as well. So in the co-main, Amanda Serrano wins a unanimous decision over Mexican fighter Yamalith Mercado, defends his or defends her, sorry, WBC and WBO featherweight title. She's a unified title holder. Scores were pretty wide, uh, which they should have been. This is a one-sided fight. And this brings up the question. Now, bring this up because we got some ladies fighting this weekend, right? Uh, who The woman who I believe is the pound-for-pound pound number one female fighter in the world, Katie Taylor, is fighting this weekend. But where is Amanda Serrano in this discussion? Because when you look at experience, just fight experience, it, it not, not only boxing, she's involved in other martial arts. Her, you know, Not just boxing, but she, she's done others and succeeded there too. Where do you rate Amanda Serrano pound-for-pound? with with the lady fighters man there's a lot of people out there a growing group of fans that say she's number one pound for pound now i don't believe that and her and her team found a way to not do the fight with katie taylor what was it last year or was it 2019 i can't even remember but um there was a there was a possibility there was you know talks offers for her to fight katie taylor it fell through and it looked it really really appeared that that was more on serrano's side they didn't like elements of the deal. That's fine, but they haven't even revisited it. So I, I can't put her number one pound for pound, but she's up there. And I'm curious what, what you guys have to say about that. So uh, give me give me your feedback on that. All right, let's talk about main event. Jake Paul, split decision, and it should have been unanimous. The split decision was bullshit. I can't believe I'm defending Jake Paul. <laughs> he def- he uh, improves the 4-0, but a split decision over Tyron Woodley, all 39 years old of them, at 190 pounds. This was a 190-pound fight. So this was old-school cruiserweight fight because that used to be the cruiserweight limit. Then they moved it up to 200. Uh, Scores were 77, 75, 78, 74. Those were both good scores. And then one judge had it 77, 75 for Woodley. That was a terrible score. Uh, Not that this was a great fight or anything like that, but I'm just saying. I mean, clearly Paul did win. Although he was, you know... There was a knockdown that was probably missed because he got clipped, fell back into the ropes. And, you know, when that happens, unless their feet got tangled up, uh, that that should be accounted as a knockdown. But even with the knockdown, um, Paul won this fight. Anyway, I you know, look, Paul is 4-0. All four of his opponents were making their pro boxing debut. And what they've done very, very intelligently, I think the first fight he had was against another YouTube guy. So that pandered to the... YouTube audience. Then he fought a a former NBA player, right? So you're bringing in that audience. Then he just fought a former MMA guy, Ben Askren, here in Atlanta. I was at that fight for Ring Magazine. I covered that fight for Ring, and that was a that was a fucking circus, man. And then um, and now he just fought another former MMA guy. Um, So they're going for different fan bases here, different demographic fan bases. And then uh, fan bases from different sports and different platforms. And 
the common denominator here is that all four of his opponents were making their pro debut. Now, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of people out there saying, well, look, look at Deontay Wilder's first 20-some-odd fights. Look at Canelo Alvarez, his first 20-some-odd fights. Um, these guys, you know, a lot of their opponents were making their pro debut and all that good stuff. And there's truth in that. There really is truth in that. But those guys weren't making the amount of money Jake Paul is making. So it really goes to show you, man, it, this isn't an entertainment business. It's sports entertainment. And it's not always about the level of opposition. Sometimes it's about the level of marketing and, and who you um, who you bring, you know, as far as your fan base, you know, the economic muscle that you bring. So th this is just, this isn't the first time something like this has happened in boxing, but this is the first time it's looked this way because things change and media changes. And now we're living in the social media age the cord cutting age, the streaming age. And if you were to ask somebody 20 years ago, you know, what's a social media star? They wouldn't know, right? Or even 10 years ago, the, the term social media star, people would kind of be like, what, what the hell is that? But now it's a real thing. And the corporate media is bought into social media platforms. Um, look at what happened with YouTube. YouTube used to be this place where independent content creators came and, and posted things. And people laughed at it, but there was independent media that started up on YouTube, including boxing media, solely YouTube-based boxing media. Uh, look at what Marcos Viegas did with Fight Hub. There's, there's a prime example. People used to laugh at that dude and not consider him real media. Well, look at them now. Fight Hub is considered a real media outlet. Now, they only, they only interview fighters. That's really the only thing they really do. So it's not a full-fledged media outlet where they're doing like what Ring does or something, but it's a media outlet. So, you know, I say that because the, the corporate media looked at what happened with YouTube or there, there are YouTube, Joe Rogan, there's another example. Joe Rogan's numbers on his podcast destroy all the cable news outlets and all that kind of stuff. And they would look at that and say, holy shit. These guys are whooping our ass. So then what happened? They bought it. They bought into the corporate, the corporate media bought into the social media platforms and took everything over. So now in your algorithms, if you guys type in boxing or whatever, all the corporate media is going to pop up. Boom, 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 boom. Before the, the independent guys pop up uh, because the corporations are paying for all that. Right. And that's because they were getting their ass beat by independent content creators. Where am I going with all this? The people in charge of the situation the elites that run the media, the axis of media and big tech and all that, right? Hollywood and the sports media industry is tied into all that. They see where the money is going. They see where the demographic trends are going. And that's why you see Jake Paul fighting on Showtime. Look, man, Gervonta Davis had a pay-per-view this year that did maybe 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Manny Pacquiao, one of the most famous active boxers on the planet just had a pay-per-view and it didn't break 300,000 uh, pay-per-view buys. So when you have people like that, boxing stars that can't even break half a million, I mean, look, man, uh, Manny Pacquiao and Gervonta Davis's last pay-per-views combined didn't do half a million buys. Isn't that crazy? And this fucking YouTube kid is going to do over a million for this fight with Woodley. So because that's going on, um, you're going to see more of this. I, I'm, I, I Don't shoot the messenger, guys. 
but there's a lot of you out there who can't stand it. I understand this Jake Paul thing is going to go as long as it can until the kid fights a boxer and loses. When he fights a actual boxer um, who's rated, not even a top 10 guy, please. I- I'm just saying someone who's rated at all, he's going to lose. Now, at that point, it'll be interesting to see if his fan base is going to continue to buy in. Um, you know, the, the, the teeny boppers and the kids that are buying this shit, the suburban kids that would never be caught in a boxing gym to save their fucking lives. Are they going to keep buying when the kid loses? Um, is Jake Paul going to keep that same hunger and keep boxing when he loses? That is what I'm kind of interested to see. Or is he going to say, okay, I tried this. We did this little thing for a few years. Now it's on to the next. And he goes and does his next little thing. I'll say this about Jake Paul, man. He knows how to market himself. And he's becoming the new Floyd Mayweather in reverse. I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a second. Let me get to this super chat. Uh, Feeling dangerous, 113 with the super chat. Thank you so much, man. He says, uh, it was really good. It was a really good night for Cleveland fighters, Love and Conwell. Broadcast wasn't as much fun as a thriller one. Uh, They need to loosen up for these Paul fights. Yeah, that's another angle, man, that I wanted to talk about because... Again, I was at the Triller show in Atlanta, and it was this smorgasbord of entertainment. And a lot of it was kind of appealing to the lowest common denominator, something for everyone, but extremely lowbrow. And I'm going to sound like an elitist prick here, and I'm really not trying to be. But it was part strip club, part smoke session, part uh frat boy you know chugging beers night part fighting just a little bit of everything part you know 50 year old over the hill rappers um you know still trying to dress and talk like they're 21 it was this whole mixture of of stuff going on right and all of it was so dumbed down i'm not trying to say this to be a dick it's just the truth of what they're going for here with 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 that type of show that Everyone can buy in and just realize this is a complete fucking freak show. This is a complete circus. Take my 80 bucks. I'm going to have a few cocktails. Or if you're into it, I'm going to smoke a joint, drop some mushrooms, whatever the fuck it is you guys are into out there. Um, Have fun. Just be responsible. But um, whatever it is you're into, you're going to do that with your boys. And you're just going to laugh at the fucking freak show you're watching and enjoy it and spend your 80 bucks. And that really worked especially in the lockdown world of COVID where concerts were not happening and live events in many parts of the country and many parts of the world were not happening. So I thought Triller really tapped into something. I didn't think it was anything really sustainable long-term or anything that was going to build diehard boxing fans that are going to be watching boxing with their grandkids decades from now. That's not what I saw. I saw something that can make some quick money and again, it was appealing to drunken frat boys. <laughs> that's, that's what that shit was appealing to. Now on Showtime, Al Bernstein can't smoke a joint with Snoop Dogg during a Showtime championship boxing broadcast. And I don't even know if Al was on the show last night. You guys will have to tell me. But, you know, an esteemed colleague of boxing media getting high and getting drunk with Snoop That wouldn't fly on old school HBO or even Showtime or even Fox or ESPN. It just wouldn't fly. And we'll take this outside of boxing and go to the NFL 
in, in other sports. It wouldn't fly in those sports. Um, you know, Joe Namath, Hall of Fame quarterback, was drunk as fuck a few years back. I think it was on a Monday Night Football broadcast. And it was, you know, he got publicly shamed for that. He had to apologize. There was this whole ordeal from it, right? When Al Bernstein and the guys were doing on Triller, hey, it's on fucking Triller. So who cares? Let it rip, right? It's, it's going to be different on Showtime. So, so it's almost like they're trying to legitimize Jake Paul in a sense. And I don't know if that's going to work as much as the Triller angle would. Uh, but here's the thing, man. If the fans are gullible enough to believe that what they're getting is real boxing and what they're getting is like th this kid who's, you know, uh, learning the ropes and he's building himself up and he's going to be a champion in a few years. Like if they're really believing that, then maybe they'll stay along for the ride, even if it is on Showtime and Snoop isn't in there, in there saying, you know, for shizzle and, and Oscar De La Hoya isn't drunk off his ass calling Steve Cunningham the USSR repeatedly. <laughs> Or USSA, he said that a couple times too. Oh my god, it was such a it was such a shit show, guys. But it was hilarious. I mean, I was I, I think I told you guys this, but from where I was at in the media section, I could hear Oscar yelling down by the ring up in the media section. That's how loud he was. That's how drunk he was. But um, you're not going to get that on Showtime. But I think Jake's fans are going to be interested. Okay, I wanted to delve into something here that's going to be a little a little uncomfortable for some of you. So I want to preface and i want to uh put the trigger warning out there make sure that you know those of you with sensitive ears aren't going to get too worked up but there was an angle to this promotion and i don't think tyron woodley meant to do this i think it just organically happened but i saw something happen over the weekend um and if they did mean to do this it was sneaky genius okay although i really don't like it but there was, I, I don't know if it was uh, one of the preview shows, uh, some, the fight week show that they had. There was a, there was some dude, some MMA reporter dude. He's got a shaved head. I don't know who he is. It's a tiny little dude with a shaved head. Uh, you guys will probably know his name. He was interviewing Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. They were doing like a face-to-face -face across a table. And Tyron Woodley just blasted the fuck out of Jake Paul, basically saying, you're a poser. You know, you, you put on this hood front and you wear hip hop gear and you do rap songs. I actually grew up around that thing. Uh, I'm the real deal. You're a fake suburbanite piece of shit. And <clears throat> that angle bled over onto Twitter, which is Wokeville. You know, that, that's, that, that's the woke nest uh, of, of big tech, right? But it also bled onto Instagram, YouTube, all of it. There were blurbs about this on, on blogs and stuff all over the place on the internet. And it took a racial angle. It took a political angle. It took a racial angle. And I saw members of the boxing media, including people I, I really, really, um, I really, really like, and I look up to, and I, I value their work and their opinion. Uh, like, <laughs> pandering to that and, and, and diving into it. Um, I, I saw tweets, one member of the, the boxing, well, he's more of a wrestling media guy. He's on the fringes of boxing media, but he's a guy that's attacked me on Twitter multiple times. And I've tried to reach out to him privately and said, Hey man, I'd love, I'd love to talk to you and have a meeting of the minds. Cause you got the wrong idea about me. 
And he repeated, he constantly tweets really, really radical content, really, really divisive, radical content. But he called Jake Paul a colonizer. So and to me, I, I'm interpreting that as a racist term at that point, okay? Because the way that the context he used it and referring to an entire group of people as colonizers and Jake Paul is the representative of them. I thought that was really fucked up. Nobody in fight sports media held that individual accountable for that. And that wasn't a tweet from five years ago, purposely taken out of context by people with agendas to take that person down. That was something that was tweeted this week. And there were members of the boxing media retweeting and quoting that person, doubling down, saying, fuck yeah, I hope that guy gets his shit stomped. I'm like, damn, dude, this took a really dark turn. This took a really, really dark turn. And again, I don't think Tyron Woodley meant to do that. He was just get, trying to get in this kid's head. And then Jake Paul said some really stupid fucking shit. And that's just what he does. Okay, that, that's, that's his shtick. But he said something, and I don't know where he said it or when he said it or even how he said it, but I'm paraphrasing. He said that he grew up like in the hood or he grew up, maybe not the hood, but he grew up working class, lower class. And I tweeted out because I saw a clip of his childhood home and it's a fucking palace, right? It's, it's the childhood home that kids like me, I was born in a trailer park, looked at and thought, oh, you know, on the other side of town, like, oh, those people don't even want us over there. They look at us as the help. That's the kind of neighborhood this kid grew up in. He didn't grow up rough, right? So the kid kind of asked for some of the shit he's getting. I'm not trying to defend, to, to defend Jake Paul here, but terms like culture vulture, colonizer, and all this other stuff, that was really, really nasty. And to see members of the, the fight media and boxing media jumping on that and running with that, uh, Jake Paul is an easy target. Again, I'm not trying to defend the kid. But he's an easy target to go after. Um, these same people that were just ripping this fucking kid to shreds have just completely looked the other way when other when boxers have beat women, uh, said horrible, racist, uh, misogynist, homophobic things, repeatedly defended woman beaters, done jail time for things like this, um, been arrested for different things. And then you see these boxers making millions of dollars and getting opportunity after opportunity. And it's kind of just okay. And everyone looks the other way, but this kid's getting shredded. Uh, I just, I thought that was an ugly turn that, that this promotion took. And unfortunately it probably made the pay-per-view sell more because it's, it's again, it's, it's pandering to the lowest common denominator. It, it, it's, it's, appealing to lowbrow look the, the lowest common denominators in society are race sex uh you know gender um sexual preference like those sorts of things that's the th those are the least interesting things and the least important things about who you are as a person right but they're the things that tug at the heartstrings of the ignorant and insecure and those are the people that are going to put down their money for something when you tug at those heartstrings. So, so this promotion took that ugly turn. And it reminded me of things I saw during the first uh, Kovalev Ward promotion that concerned me. Things I saw with the Fury Wilder promotion and the aftermath of, of their rematch, specifically the aftermath of the rematch, and other promotions recently. And you see this sort of 
promotional pandering to the lowest common denominator uh, in boxing. You see it in all sports, but in boxing, you see it more with certain platforms than others. Okay. You really, really do. And those are just ugly places that, that I would prefer we don't go to. And I think we go to those places in the boxing industry when we don't have a really good product to sell. And that's what this was. So I, I hope in the future that they don't continue going down that road. And they, because they don't need to. The, the Jake Paul show, again, it's a fucking circus. I don't watch his fights. I'm not interested in it. Do I think Jake Paul is going to be boxing five years from now? Absolutely not. I really, really don't. But it ain't going away right now. It's going to be around for a few years. And they they have enough of a thing going that they don't need to go down that ugly road, man. They just they just don't. So I, I hope that um I hope that doesn't continue, you know? And why I say Floyd Mayweather in reverse is because of this, okay? And then I'll leave this alone. All right. Unless you guys want to talk about it more. And I'm sorry for those of you with sensitive ears. I know, I know. You're gonna be okay. All right. Just relax. Floyd in in the the twilight of his career. When he, he wasn't going to be able to knock guys out and stuff, he was he used his personality to market himself, right? Floyd pandered to the lowest common denominator in a lot of ways. And he was a genius with it, okay? And all of us in the boxing industry could see it. We knew what he was doing. And it, you either talked about it realistically or you just kind of went along with the ride to, to, to I guess, keep the access. Um, you kind of had to make a choice, one or the other, right? So you kind of played the game or you just talked about what was really happening. Um, but what ended up happening when, when Floyd was fighting specifically under that Showtime contract, that six fights, he fought every year, Cinco de Mayo, Mexican Independence Day. Floyd Mayweather is American. He's not Mexican, right? But he would always make sure he was fighting a Mexican, a Mexican-American, or a Latin American fighter who trained with Mexican-American trainers, particularly in Southern California, if you could get it, like a Marcos Maidana. That was by design. And Floyd marketed himself in a way to where it was a manipulation largely of casual sports fans and um, Mexican-American fight fans. People bought Floyd's fights, hoping to see him lose, hoping to see him get his comeuppance, right? And on those, even going back to his HBO days, but especially with the Showtime stuff, all those preview shows, I can't even remember what the hell they're called. I, HBO's was 24-7. I can't remember what Showtime calls theirs. But um, they would, with really crafty editing and you know narration, make it look like Robert Guerrero, Guerrero had a chance against Floyd or Victor Ortiz or Marcos Maidana had a chance or that Floyd Pacquiao was this fight happening at the perfect time, the crescendo of their careers, right? And they both still had plenty left in the tank and they were going to, there's this grudge match and they were both going to go in there and brawl. You're going to get Hagler Hearns. That, that's the way they marketed these things. Right. And Floyd wore the black hat and his opponents wore the white hat. For those of you who don't understand that term, what, what that means is there's a good guy and a bad guy. Okay. And Floyd played the bad guy. And a lot of people bought his fights, hoping to see him lose. And it worked for him. He became a wealthy man. Floyd isn't rich. Floyd's above rich. Floyd's wealthy, okay? So Floyd's not in the top 1%. He's in the top 1% of the top 1%. That's how wealthy Floyd is. He milked that 
to the stage where he was wealthy. And he, he handled his business in the ring. He had to do that too. But African-American fans, many of them bought Floyd's fights to support Floyd. Other fans of other demos, and again, there's crossover and bleed over with all this, okay, guys? But I'm just saying the strategy with Floyd, and, and he'll tell you this. If, if you get him in the room and talk to him, he'll tell you this, and his team will tell you this. Everyone else was buying to see Floyd lose. Okay, with Jake Paul, it's kind of the opposite. And this Tyron Woodley thing even, I think, exaggerated it. A lot of people now, uh, from outside of Jake's, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube fan bubble, okay, which is racially and ethnically diverse, mind you, but it's young people, okay? It's young people who don't know shit about boxing. Outside of that bubble, there are all these other demographic groups. And those people are buying, hoping to see Jake Paul lose. If they can tap into all these other demographic groups, and get them buying the pay-per-views as well, hoping to see Jake lose. Meanwhile, all his TikTok teeny boppers are buying, supporting him. They got something. They got, dare I say, the biggest star in the sport of boxing commercially, at least in America, because he is right now. And it's all marketing. It's all fluff. They are basically taking what Floyd Mayweather did, flipping it, reversing it, and doing it with Jake Paul who's a novice as a boxer. It's crazy, dude, but it's working. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. I know it's going to trigger some of you, and I apologize in advance. I know sensitive ears don't want to hear such things. You just want to put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 just pretend none of this matters. But um, so, okay, boxing and bulldogs says, Montero, I agree with that being the lowest common denominator, but you do manage to bring up race a lot. Number one, I completely disagree with you. I don't bring up race a lot. If I brought up race a lot, I'd bring it up on every single show. I don't. I bring it up when it's relevant, and there's a lot of bleed and crossover between race, politics, and sports. I'm not the one doing that. I'm not the one interjecting it, okay? And I certainly don't interject it when it doesn't belong. That's what everyone else in the fucking media does these days. Um, that's kind of what Tyron Woodley did during the fucking promotion of this fight. I didn't do that. I'm just uh, opining on it, on what I saw, because it is relevant. This fight just occurred yesterday. It hasn't even been 24 hours. And there was a racial component to it, dude. I had to bring it up. You guys come here and watch my show because I'm one of the very, very few that's willing to talk about this shit honestly and give my opinion. Now, you don't have to agree 100%. You don't even have to agree 50%. But you have to at least admit, I'm on to something here. There's a shred, a, a, a kernel of truth here to what I'm saying. Even if, you, even if we have completely different worldviews politically, for the record, classical liberal, I'm a moderate, okay? But even if we have complete, whether you're all the way on the right or all the way on the left, okay, and we have completely different worldviews, you have to admit there's a kernel of truth to what I'm saying here, dude. And as a guy that works in the boxing industry to a certain degree, I'm not saying I'm a fucking A-lister, badass motherfucker, but I talk to those dudes. Um, I know what's going on and I know how they market this stuff. Now, are all promoters marketing fights this way? Are all fighters marketing themselves this way? No, of course not which is great, but there are some platforms, some promotions who really, really do believe in this stuff. 
and they proactively f- try to find angles like this to promote their shows. I'm telling you guys, just do the math. Just look at the way certain shows are promoted and look at the social media behind it and everything else. And you'll see patterns, dude. I'm not trying to bring this up where it don't fit. And also I'm saying, I don't like it. We don't need this shit in the sport. We, we have one of the most diverse. This is going to make some of you laugh, but it's true. We have one of the most diverse and inclusive sports in terms of different nationalities, different heritage, different religions in the world. We really, really do. Look at the pound for pound list right now. It looks like a fucking UN meeting. I like that. I think that's fucking cool. That's why when we're pandering to the lowest common denominator, it's annoying to me and I bring it up. I'm not trying to obsess over this shit, but there is an element here, guys. And am I going to be talking about this a week or two from now? No, I'm talking about this because this fight just took place less than 24 hours ago. And I saw things on social media from my peers in the boxing media, by the way, including some of them that are friends of mine. I've broken bread. I've had beers with them. I've been at their fucking house. I've sat in their couch and pet their dog. Okay. And I saw people tweeting and saying things that were really tribalistic and just ugly, dude. And I'm like, man, I don't like where this is going because this is where a lot of Floyd stuff went to. And it wasn't good for the sport, man. It didn't build anything. It kind of just divided shit more. I, I just don't like that. Derek Williamson in the chat says, agree, Mike, promoting a fight with a divisive theme reeks of desperation. That's what I took from it. I took, hey, let's get some last minute heat here. Let's let's play the race factor, play that up, and there you go. All right, boxing and bulldogs. I think I think we're meeting in the middle because your comment here says Floyd was the worst thing that happened to boxing in 50 years. Now, I'm not going to say that because Floyd did do some very innovative and creative things, and he brought boxing marketing into the 21st century in regards to the reality TV angle and the social media angle. So he did do some good innovative things for the sport, but the divisive political racialized stuff. Yeah. Not good, man. It kind of left American boxing in a bad place. Look at American boxing before Floyd was the top star. Okay. Let's go back 20 years and look at it. Now are we more fragmented or less? Are, are things more divisive in the fight media and, and social media and among fight fans? Are they more divisive or less? So Floyd doesn't, he's not to blame for all of that, of course, not even most of it, but he is to blame for some of it. He truly is. Toreen Fox says the only two promoters that could get away with that type of promoting is Don King and Floyd with no backlash. Hey, you said that, not me. <laughs> You said that, not me, bro. Uh, Ceylon says the race factor is there whether you, whether or not you play it. Yes, Ceylon, I, I think that to a certain extent it's there, but but let's be honest. I, I I honestly believe if you guys watch my show and you listen to my show and what we try to do here, I truly believe most of you guys, 99% of you that watch this show, don't give a shit about race and all that stuff. You don't. You just want to see the best fight the best. And you're fans of, of fighters of all walks of life, just like I am. It's a small, it's a small segment out there that really, really is obsessed with this stuff, but they're also the loudest segment of fans, and they talk the loudest on social media. They don't always put their money where their mouth is, but they do talk the loudest. So you're gonna see a lot of this stuff, man. 
Uh, Nacho says, Mike, these two dudes were using any and everything to sell this WWE style fight. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, one foot out the door. Hold on. This comment, I'm not even going to read your comment out loud, but if you post one more comment like that, you're banned from the fucking chat. Don't post shit like that. You know, I'm not going to read your comment, but don't post shit like that here. Derek Williams says the, the divisive stuff trends well on social, which is probably why we see it more often in recent times. Unfortunately, you are correct, sir. Unfortunately, you are correct. All right. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to go to the phones here. We got a call. Um, let me uh, change my banners. There we go. Let me pick up this call. And then uh, we will go into the review. There's actually, or I'm sorry, preview. There's some stuff to preview for this weekend, okay? All right, 818, you are on the show. What's up? Hey, hey. what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Everything good? Yeah, man. How you doing? Is this Alex? Yeah, man. Ace from Ventura, buddy. Oh, Ace <laughs> from Ventura. What's up, man? What's up, man? Hey, man. Uh, good show, man. Good show. And, um, you know, I just wanted to call in. Uh, a couple of things to, to say about you know this weekend or yeah this weekend's event man but you know with what you said with all the whole racing and all that man yeah definitely 100 percent true you know and uh unfortunately it happens and uh especially in, in in the social media world twitter world whatever you want to call it you know i don't know i'm not too much of a social media guy but you know but i mean and i'm pretty sure you get it a lot since you're kind of you know you're you you uh part of the boxing world so it must make you that, that's probably why you're a little more passionate about it than more other people you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but i mean you have the right to be man i mean it's uh it, it's true bro it's definitely true but um with that being said man i want to kind of talk with a little bit with about the jake paul and woodley fight um first and foremost i mean i didn't watch it you know i mean i they wouldn't buy that kind of stuff but I do watch, yeah, I did watch the clips and some highlights or what, whatnot, because after all, it is boxing, you know, and, and I'm a fan of the boxing uh, sport itself, you know, but you say you didn't watch it, right? No, no. I just saw like highlights of it. I watched some of the undercard stuff, but that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have watched the undercards, but I just wouldn't have, you know, I didn't pay for it. But, uh, you know, man, um, it's kind of funny what you were saying uh, with, you know, with these social media or YouTube stars, because, um, I was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday watching this show and I come to find out that, you know, uh, this girl that was, at, it, was it was a movie. This girl that was in this movie was only in this movie because she had a big following. I, I don't know who it is or what, you know, happens what a lot app or whatever, but that, right. You know, yeah. and I didn't know, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not a big social guy or whatever, or whatever you want to call it, but I didn't realize that it happened so much. And, you know, nowadays all you have to do is have a big following and you can, pretty much be put anywhere as long as they market you correctly and put you, you know, in, in, a, in a good spot. And this is exactly what's happening with this kid, Jake, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we can't blame him. You know, you, you really can't. The guy is doing what he's got to do. Uh, people are making money off of him. He's marketing stuff, like you said, and he's just doing what he's got to do, man. And it's uh, up, it's up to us to pretty much, you know, choose to go along with the ride or just ignore it. And, you know, like us, don't, buy the pay-per-views and watch the fights just take you know take glimpses or watch the recap or whatever you know but it's just it's it's sad it's come down to where you don't have to have no talent whatsoever in this world you know and uh that's why people don't have a sense of work ethic anymore you know what i'm saying yeah um but i'm glad that you you know you you actually you see those things and, and 
and you recognize those things. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, it's, I think it's important for people to know that that's what's happening, uh, especially in like an our sport, you know, because, you know, right away, it, there's a reason why boxing will never go away and it's always going to go on, you know, and it's because of these kind of things. You know, everybody wants a piece of that pie, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, secondly, bro, um, with that being said, I don't know. I'm not, like I said, I'm no, no, not a social media guy, but I do have a, so, a social media on Twitter just for boxing, but I'm not active. But what about now these MMA fans or MMA people, you know, talking smack about boxing? Oh, it's not a real sport. You know, yeah. any MMA fighter will beat uh, any kind of fighter, including a boxer, blah, blah, blah. This guy, I know he was old, blah, 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 but he couldn't even get out, he couldn't even do nothing to a 24 year old. What I was, what would you call him a beginner? Novice, right? novice. I yeah. mean, where are they at now? You know what I'm saying? Well, and, and, but see, that's that's a part of it. Is is um, they they're marketing to? And, and, and I'm going to get so much heat for this episode this week, man, because I, I pissed off, I pissed off a lot of people with the politics. Now I'm going to piss off the MMA fans a little bit. I've talked about this before, and again, I, I've talked to people in the UFC. Um, involved in that industry okay uh from the business side of it the promotional side of it and they tell me straight up who they're marketing to they're marketing to casual sports fans dudes that have the little crocodile on their little collared shirt and their khaki shorts and shit that's who they're marketing to there's nothing wrong with that but the majority of the ufc fans are casual sports fans it's the dudes who don't even watch the nfl but they watch the super bowl cuz they want to go to the super bowl party and post the instagram post right they're marketing to that group and they've succeeded that group isn't the well versed on they don't know, they don't know boxing history they don't know even even mma history a lot of times right they're they're casual sports fans so it's easy for those guys to jump on Twitter and say boxing sucks, this sucks, that sucks. They really don't know what they're talking about. So they can bring in a guy like Jake Paul and bring in a guy like Tyron Woodley, and there's a certain element of the UFC slash MMA fan base that's going to buy that fight because they really think Tyron Woodley had a chance. Even if Tyron Woodley won six rounds, what was this, a, a eight-round fight? Or, yeah, I think it was an eight-round fight. Okay, if he won six rounds, it was going to be a draw. He wasn't going to win this fucking fight, right? He was brought in for marketing. That's why they brought him in. And some of the casual fans over from that side just can't see that. They also think that, oh, this guy's a great striker. Well, that don't mean shit in boxing. It don't mean shit. The best striker in boxing or the best striker in MMA isn't in the top 100 in boxing. That's just the reality of the situation, okay? There are guys in boxing that wrestled in high school. That don't mean shit if they go over into MMA. Right. So there's just a lot of the fans over there that are ignorant. They don't understand that they're kind of being manipulated. It's the same dudes that bought uh, Mayweather McGregor. There was more McGregor fans than than Floyd fans that bought that fight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man. No, I I totally totally agree with you on that, man. Uh, Definitely. um, It's what they're they're targeting. Like you said, they they did uh, succeed in that. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's funny because, you know, us boxing fans can be very critical and very, you know, uh, unforgiving, but we're not naive. I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> MMA fans, though, seem Some to be Some boxing the fans opposite, are naive. You know? Some boxing fans are very naive. Yeah, you could say that, but, 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 but I'll tell you what, though, those aren't boxing fans. Okay. I'll tell you that. The, the naive, they're not boxing fans, man. They're, you know, they're the casual it, it, fan. I'll tell yeah. You what, yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? And, and I'll tell you what, when I, I asked myself one day, am I a boxing fan or am I a casual boxing fan? Right. And, um, and obviously, you know, I, I was just asking myself just because like, um, I had my doubts because of uh, my knowledge of, of boxing, not like the sport itself, but just like the belts and all that. But then I really, I don't really care about those belts or anything like that after a while. Right. I went to, um, what is it? Uh, Crawford and no, no, it was a uh, Pacquiao and, and Keith Thurman fight. And, uh, there's some people there, you know, some, just a couple, uh, guys uh, watching the fight and they started talking about Floyd, uh, Floyd in some of his fights. And they started saying these ridiculous things, but, they were acting like they're real boxing fans. You know what I'm saying? Like those kind that like, yeah, I'm a real boxing fan. I know a lot, but, and they thought they were talking to somebody that didn't like, was just in on their level of boxing knowledge or the boxing game. But then I'm all like, okay, I'm a real boxing fan. I'm a hardcore boxing fan. Cause obviously I'm listening to your show, you know, and I yeah. watch all these, uh, uh, boxing, you know, but these guys had no idea what they were talking about, but yet they felt like they knew what they were talking about. You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing. It was, it, that's when I realized, all right, I'm a hardcore boxing fan and this is what a casual fan really is, you know, but, um, it's a lonely yeah, island. Said, it's a, you know, it's a um, lonely place <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, 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 exactly, bro. Um, but the, uh, you know, one last thing, man. Um, the the whole, I, I, like I said, I, I watched a little highlights of uh, the fight. I mean, just you know, shitty little highlights or whatever. But boy, man, um, I would hate to, you know, I, I respect, uh, regardless of me, um, not. It's not that I don't like, you know, MMA. Uh, I I respect every single fighter that steps in the cage or ring, regardless. You know, it could take it takes balls and it takes you know heart and courage. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a little money. But mm-hmm. overall, you know, I respect uh, both arts. But boxing is my thing. You know, and I, there's a lot of things I don't like about MMA. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, I would hate to see Jake Paul and this, you know, these MMA Tyrone, whatever Woodley, uh, his name, whatever his name is, uh, get get hurt in the ring with a real fighter because, you know. In boxing, you, you know, it, like they say, it's not a game. You can die. We've witnessed people die, you know, yeah. uh, in, 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 in a fight. You know, you don't see that in MMA, you know. Um, and these guys just, they suck, man. I mean, you saw the highlights. They, you cannot even put them in a fight with the real boxer because they, they could get hurt, man. You know, and it would be really sad to see that happen. Uh, you know, let's say, for example, to Jake Pocket, when he steps up with a real, real fighter, like you said, not even top 100, mm-hmm. he he could get hurt. The, the, from what I saw from him fighting, there's no way he can survive with a real fighter, a real boxer, uh, you know, and, and, and not get hurt, man. It, it's sad that um, people are, I guess, uh, you know, that he has yes people in his corner and, you know, I give him props, you know, he's, he's doing what he's doing and he, he, I guess he's really, you know, into it, but he's going to get hurt if, if, uh, somebody doesn't, doesn't stop, stop him from really getting in there with a real fighter, man. I agree with you, you know, and they're going to, they're going to milk this thing as long as they can, but at some point he's going to get caught. I mean, Hey, Woodley caught him with a shot that almost uh, hurt him. So it's going to happen. And that's what, you know, a real fighter and we'll find out if Jake Paul's a real fighter at that point. Cause if he, let's say he gets knocked the fuck out, right. Uh, whether it's an MMA guy, a boxing guy, whatever. Um, does he come back after that? Or does he just call it quits and say, okay, I tried this. It's done now. If he comes back from that and keeps fighting, I will give him a lot of credit. Cause that's a real fighter. Cause every damn fighter has been yeah, yeah. knocked down, been hurt. 
I don't give a damn who you are. Floyd's been dropped in sparring. He's been beat up. Everyone's seen the footage of Floyd getting beat up by uh, Vito Spadafora in, in, in sparring because Vito was in shape and Floyd wasn't. So, so, like, you know, that happens to everybody. How do you how you respond though? You know, so we'll we'll find out. No, yeah, absolutely right, man. And um, I, you definitely give him props. Like I said, I know he on the kid. He's doing what he's doing. You know, I mean, I I don't watch his, his whatever his, his fights or whatever. So you know, but hey, props to to him and what he's doing. Um, and one last quick thing, man. Uh, you kind of uh, reminded me of something. That guy, uh, Mike Cop- Coppinger, he he posted something. Um, how the UFC uh, put some like built some new gyms in Mexico or something like that. And he tweeted out, you know, if yeah. if, if if boxing uh, will put out gyms like this, they would have right. more talent or blah, 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 you know, better stars. Like, I don't know, man. That <laughs> that one was like, are you kidding me, bro? Like, real fighters, legends, like, you know, uh, a la Pacquiao, Duran, you can go on more. They come from the streets. They come from the grit, from the dirt, man. That's right. what you, like... You you need to be in that environment to be like them, not these fancy gyms. These fancy gyms are going to create these uh, Ryan Garcia's, Devin Haney divas that never want to fight each other because they feel privileged, you know? Mm. Um, so I kind of thought, you know, like, I don't know. Mike, I thought that tweet, one, you know, Coppinger, you're wrong on this one, buddy. He was. And I, I thought about, I know exactly which tweet you're talking about. There was some facility in Mexico City that I think the UFC built. And Coppinger tweeted that and said, you know, this is what boxing needs to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to kind of blast him, but I, I just, I, I didn't do it. I just said, I'm, I'm going to leave this one alone. But I completely agree with you. The, the thing that cop doesn't realize, cause he's not a real boxing guy. Cop does a great job doing what he does, but he's not a real boxing guy, right. you know, and he's never going to be, he didn't grow up in that culture. He, he just, he, he doesn't understand it. Um, boxing is an inner city sport. It is a poor sport. It's yep. an immigrant sport. And the kids that do MMA, now, look, I, I live in Atlanta now and I live in the suburbs. I, I live north of Atlanta. Okay. Um, it, for the first time in my life, I live in the suburb. I live in the city my whole life. And I see here in the suburbs where I live, um, there's M- MMA gyms, there's UFC gyms. When I go train for boxing, I got to drive a few miles south to uh to the border where atlanta is that's where my gym is i gotta go to atlanta there's no boxing gyms out in the suburbs it's that's where the ufc gyms are and that's part of there's a lot of different reasons for that we to get into that we could do an hour-long debate but that's something that cop doesn't maybe understand or didn't want to hit in his tweet that big facility that big ufc facility that's not for young kids that's not for prospects that's for the pros that want to go down and have a complex to train at those kind of gyms exist in boxing, you know, uh, Robert Garcia's gym in, uh, in, in Oxnard, you know, places like that. Th- th- those are, you know, there's, there's facilities where like pros go and there's like a dozen pros that will train together. Um, so, so it's it just, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges, man. He, he just doesn't understand that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that one, man. But, uh, yeah, anyways, bro, yeah, I uh, just wanted to call in, uh, keep up the good work, bro, and, uh, you know, for the record, uh, I'm no uh, I'm no MMA hater, like I said, I respect all forms of uh, combat, you know, at the end of the day, but, you know, uh, this boxing is way more, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's more pleasing, you know, it's more like real life, and I think that's what, uh, you know, that these MMA fans don't, <laughs> they, they don't want to, uh, 
really, you know, see that aspect of boxing because they just want to be in their own. You know, if I wanted to watch uh, an MMA fight, I'd just go to a high school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's how the way I see it, you know. But, that's I mean, at the end funny. of the day, I respect it. I, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch a, a fight, you know, with a friend or whatever. I'm not opposed to watching it. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way like I do with boxing. But, you know, like I said, if I want to watch a fight, I go to a, to a high school and watch them. The same thing as an MMA fight minus, you know, the – they wrestle better but you know it is what it is but anyways bro good show man uh do your thing and uh we'll talk another day buddy all right man have a good one you too there he goes guys ace from ventura and by the way opinions expressed by ace are not necessarily shared or promoted by michael montero um because look i i you know there is plenty of room for both sports and I will say um, there's a kickboxer, a professional kickboxer at the gym I'm training at right now. And I've been in the ring just doing drills with him. And he's a cardio freak and he is strong as fuck. I got nothing but respect for this dude. Um, And I've seen some of the kickboxers train with him. He'll bring in guys from other gyms and they'll work together sometimes. My gym is boxing. It's a boxing gym. 90% of the people there are boxing. But there is a few kickboxers and stuff that come in. No wrestlers or anything, but um, I mean, I just nothing but respect for those guys. And having been in the ring and feeling like the, there's one uh, Muay Thai guy, and grappling with him on the inside, and when we when we tied up, his hands grappling skills were fucking outstanding. And I told him that. And um, what was cool is we, we talked a little bit, and he he showed me certain things, certain hand movements and stuff, p- hand placement. Uh, on the inside that he uses and what he was saying to me is fuck dude your feet are awesome the way you you know your angles and um the way you spin me and turn me is great so so we shared like you know a little bit of like our skill set uh he's way way more advanced than me but there was just some boxing stuff i could help him with and he could help me with some grappling stuff so there's things that we can learn from each other and i do think you're going to see more fighters come out with a blended fight background where you see some boxers like, like I think um, I want to say Sean Porter wrestled. I want to say Terrence Crawford wrestled and Amanda Serrano, who I talked about earlier, she's done several different disciplines, not just boxing. I think you're going to see more of that now. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. Um, That one thing that drives me a little crazy is some of the UFC fans shitting on boxing all the time when they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, But I say all that and I have to follow it with this. There are a lot of ignorant, stupid boxing fans that I have to deal with every day. I have to deal with their stupidity, tweeting and saying all kinds of crazy shit too. So it goes both ways. It, It truly, truly does. All right. All right. Back to the phones we go. And uh, but I saw one of you guys. I'm sorry, I forget your name uh, in the chat because uh, it was several comments up. You you made a point that you know at least Tyron Woodley tried. Ben Askren didn't even try, and that's a great point. Ben Askren completely shit the bed <laughs> against Jake Paul. Tyron Woodley put up a fight, and he landed some hard shots, you know, and he backed Jake Paul up. So give give Woodley some respect and give him some credit. He did this as a boxing novice himself and a 39-year-old boxing novice. So Woodley deserves credit that Ben Askren just dissed the shit out of that guy if you want because he didn't even try. He showed up looking fat. One of you guys in the chat mentioned he had had hip surgery. Okay, that's fine. 
But that dude just didn't even he put he didn't even put up a fight. Uh, Nacho in the chat says, Mike disappointed that Charles Conwell wasn't on the card. Yeah, that was a massive failure, massive failure by the promotion. Charles Conwell needed to be on that pay per view. It's ridiculous he wasn't. You could have fit that in, man. You could have fit that in because people need to see Charles Conwell fight. All right. I think this is Rich here on the phone. Uh, 847, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. How you doing? What's up, man? Oh, good, man. How you doing? No, I just, uh, yeah, just a note on your comment there. Yeah, for, um, yeah, the reason why uh, Paul knocked out Ben Askren is because, you know, Ben Askren has no striking skills at all. Just kind of right. going back to that real quick. And, and, you know, that guy's a 170-pound fighter, too. So once they, you know, they move him up to, what, the 190 cruiserweight? So he's way out of his weight class to get with no striking skills. So, but, uh, no, I just wanted to comment on the um, Paul Woodley card. Um, you know, I did see the card. Overall, the card uh, was, was pretty decent, I like to say. Um, of course, I still was not, in my opinion, pay-per-view worthy, which I think a lot of people will agree to that. Um, but I was more intrigued with the undercard more than the actual uh, main event. And um, to me, I thought the the, uh, the guy that kind of sold the show to me was uh, Montana Love. With um, cause it was a pretty exciting fight between him and Brachek. Yeah. And uh, I thought he he performed well. And Brachek, but like I said, it just seemed like any time he was being tagged, he was getting hurt pretty quick. And, and kind of like what you're saying, I think the wars have um, and all the battles have caught up to him. So I think he needs to like you said, kind of look more into um, retirement at this point because I think he's taking too much too much damage and a lot of hits to the head. Um, yeah. And for, yeah, Charles Combo, I agree. They, that should have been part of the pay-per-view card. And I, I think from my understanding, that was the only fight that was like non-televised. So, I mean, I understand why they didn't throw that in the card, you know, because they definitely at the time, considering all the, the talking they did throughout the telecast, you know, Going back to those barstool sports guys talking about the betting. You know what I mean? There was actually the time to show that fight. Absolutely. Based on he, he's a talent, yeah, man. So he's of, he's know. gonna be fitting for a title within the so, next year. And they really should have put him on that card. Yeah. It just made no sense not to. Yeah, I would have preferred that to see then that the, the Tommy Fury fight and the other uh, MMA yeah. guy. I thought that was uh, Hell yeah. Uh I thought that fight was not good at all. And um, you know, not too impressed with Tommy Theory. It was kind of my first time seeing him. Um, just, I really thought he should have put that guy out, in my opinion, but yeah. he didn't. So I just, I wasn't too, too impressed with him at all. Um, uh, Dubois looked good. You, you know, he looked uh, spectacular with the uh, stoppage. And uh, Amanda Serrano. Serrano did, did good. Um, kind of, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the trainer at the end. He was kind of like mouthing off to the um, other corner. Um, I don't know if you caught any of that footage no. or anything like that, but um, say some nasty stuff. You know, I don't, I don't know what the cause of that. There was no like bad blood, but he was actually mouthing to the uh, to the other corner, saying like, you know, fight, you know, fight, you know, do it Mexican style, you know, talking a lot of shit. So, huh. <laughs> so he got a, he got a bad rep on the social media as well, and I was okay. kind of like kind of figure what was what was up with that. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people caught that, and people did criticize that trainer. I think it was a, I think that the brother-in-law. I think that brother's Amanda Serrano. He was uh, just kind of mouthing off, so I'm not sure what his, what his deal was. But um, 
going going to the main event. Uh, first of all, yeah, you know what? It is a circus. I think the only for me, for me, Mike, the only problem I have is that, of course, you know, I don't mind these type of uh, YouTube fights or crossover fights. I mean, we've had these type of fights or celebrity boxing throughout the years. Yeah, doesn't really doesn't really bother me. But but of course, to make it as a headliner like main event fight, like yeah, of course, I would prefer to see like a big card. Uh, a big solid card, you know, but maybe they could be like the opening ball, and then then I'm okay with it. But like, make it as a headlining. But I see the point. It's business, and you know they sell. And what's going to be very um, disappointing is, guaranteed, this pay per view is going to sell more than the Pacquiao Uga pay per view. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> so, um, Five you know, times more. Saw the reporter was it right? And and the people that bought the fighter, you know they. That bought it was it was the casuals, the any uh, Paul fans, and of course the MMA community. Probably most of those fans bought that card too, just in hopes of Tyrone Woodley, um, you know, knocking out uh, Jake Paul. Right. That was that was really it. You know, I saw the card because um, I I didn't order the fight, I didn't stream it either. Um, but uh, I, I have an, my uncle who got me into boxing is a hardcore fanatic. Mago's one of those guys that orders like any pay per view. All right. Okay. So, he um he's got time in his hands, you know, he's got extra cash in his hand, right? So he orders any pay per view. He order that, or order the, you know, Tank Davis, Mario Barrios. You know, he's just one of those guys that doesn't care and just orders because he has the extra time on his hand. So, so I tend to you know go by his place and watch the fight. So that's how I was able. But it was not something I would buy personally. <laughs> so I hear um, you, man. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't think I don't think I've bought a pay per view since 2013. I mean, I just I I don't think a lot of these pay per views are just kind of worthy anymore. Even if they get a solid pay per view, the undercard seems to be weak for the most part. You know, yeah. It's not like the early days of the, you know, Dom King pay per view days, right? Where he put like Chavez as the headliner, and then he'll put like oh, he'd stack cards, dude. Each other. Those cards were yeah. stacked back yeah, in the day. Yeah, were, yeah. Right, right. You know, they they. You know, they were like 50, 40 bucks at that time, but they were like, yeah, like four solid championship fights. You know, you get Chavez, Trinidad, Julian Jackson, Terry Norris, like all on the same card, you know, mm-hmm. and then Ricardo, Benito Lopez, everybody was on those cards, you know? So, I mean, that was like actually worth, you know, the pay-per-view money. So, um, yeah, and then, um, yeah, back to, back to Paul and Willie, Mike. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, the MMA fans is kind of just kind of hating. They, like you like you mentioned, and you already you know you already added your points that his striking skills are just not there. You know, and, and it's 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 totally different. You know, it's um they they don't have that success. You know, uh, coming over to boxing. You know, yeah, it's just it's, it's just, a different that's sport. Just the way it is, and it'll be vice versa. It's just, it's a different sport. It'd be the same thing if um you know a boxer, which is like kind of like James Coney did it. You know, when he fought Randy Couture. He right. got to take it to the ground, and that was it. He he was done with. But that's because he was taken to the ground. He didn't know, you know, he didn't know how to wrestle. Right. You know, even though it's still like uh, both guys are like over the hill at that point, anyways. But um, that's just what it is. But Tyrone Woodley uh did pretty good for you know like having his first uh, um pro boxing fight. The fight itself, I I scored the fight for Paul. But I mean, to me, I mean, it really was a uneventful fight. You know, it wasn't wasn't really a good fight, and it was kind of expected, in my opinion. Um, Woodley, you know, he had I think he could have had more moments if he kind of let his hands go, but he didn't. So, 
Yeah. But there's like you said, there's a reason why they pick. There's a reason why they pick these guys. Yeah, they know um, what they're doing. That's like the thing, right? Like, and and pass so, prime, you know, what is prime? Rich, here, here's the thing, man. Like in the boxing media, there's kind of two worlds. You can be that guy that kind of goes along with the story and goes along with the narrative, and maybe you can be a part of the Jake Paul circus, and maybe you'll get picked up to cover some of his fights, or or you you can work some of the broadcasts. If you kind of go along with the, oh man, this is a really, really even matchup and Tyron Woodley, MMA legend. And you know, he was a really, really good striker in the UFC. And you, you talk like that and you, you build it up or you could be one of the guys that just tells the truth about what the fuck this is. Um, that's that, you know, I don't know any other way. I can't play the role. Um, but everyone's, everyone's asking me like, how should I bet this fight? How should I bet this fight? I'm like, Jake Paul's going to win. You know, that's why yeah. Tyron Woodley's there. Jake Paul's going to win. That's it. And I didn't think Jake Paul could knock out Woodley. So it's probably going the distance, but um, like, like it doesn't surprise me. And the fact yeah. that one judge scored it for Woodley. So it like seemed closer than it was. Uh, and now there's people talking about a rematch. Yeah. Yeah. I saw like that, that uh, Paul Woodley two hashtag trended on Twitter briefly. I'm like, what? It's crazy how gullible people are, dude. No, I know. Yeah, and um, there were some some people. I I think I saw like some videos, Pusha Shield, even like uh, Bubu Mancini. They all felt that Woodley won the fight. I saw some oh, yeah. interviews or footage on the just just yeah. recently. But I, I I think well, you know, Bubu Bubu was a very you know back in the day a very aggressive fighter. So he was he was kind of going based on that. Like, well, Tyrone Woodley was uh you know was even more aggressive and, and he landed the more meaningful punches, so he should have won the fight. He, he called it like it was a uh, horse shit or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Some interview I saw with uh, with Ray. That's crazy. But, uh, no, there's a reason for it. I mean, if people would have known that, um, you know, Tyron Woodley lost his last, I think, last four fights, and he hasn't got a knockout with striking. I think, I think back in 2016 when he knocked out Robbie Lawler, from my understanding. Like, I follow some of the MMA. I'm kind of more in the casual stance, but. I, I'm, I've been surprised because I've actually known more MMA and some other people that claim that they're like MMA fans. It's kind of surprising, actually. Mm. That kind of goes back to the other point earlier where, you, where I, or the other guy on the phone said that a lot of the guys are kind of just casual when it comes to MMA. And that's true. And that is true because I, I just a quick point on that. I've seen some events like with some pretty good solid fights in the UFC. But if they're not like uh, Conor McGregor or Brock Lesnar or Ronda Rousey, those type of names, there's hardly any crowds, but when those type of fighters fight, there's huge crowds. Yeah, everybody comes out, you know. And I'm thinking like, well, this is a pretty good fight between two top guys in MMA, but yeah, nobody's coming out for it. You know what I mean? But with Conor McGregor, which he's pretty much not—he's really not that good anyways to begin with. Everybody comes out thinking like he's going to do something or win a big match again. <laughs> so, yeah, he sells. That's, that's he sells, like man. My, Look, Mike Tyson could yeah, fight like a mailman, and, and there are people out there who will buy it. Even at 50, 55 <laughs> years old, he could just smoke a joint and fight the mailman. People would buy that shit. They're just some, some names are just no, going to sell. You know what I mean? No, but I'm going to, you I got agree. anything else for me, man? Or I got to get going. Cause we're real gonna, quick, real quick. No, okay. I know, man. Real quick, real quick. I just want to let you know that the talk you last weekend was, because uh, I attended the uh, Pacquiao Ugas card. And, uh, right. It, it was a phenomenal car. It was a great car, man. It was a, it was a good turnout. 
I think it was like a little over 17,000 people had turned out. I mean, the, the Filipinos are definitely in the house. And uh, just my my quick take on that on that fight. Um, I, I for me, I think Manny Pacquiao should uh, retire um, from from boxing. I think. Um, I mean, hell, I mean, for 42 years old, he was still, you know, he performed so well against uh, Ugas. But I don't see anything better coming from at this point. I think he should just kind of walk away. He's, he's done so much for the sport, and I think he should just kind of walk away with that. Cause he, he looked good still, but you know he came out with the loss. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just that's just my opinion. And, and then on that card, because I attended that whole entire card, there were three fights on there, the televised and Fox, but yeah, they, they had no fans to attend those fights on that undercard. It was kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um because I was there for part of the for the press, and it was like the uh, prospects, like Frank Martin, was a Frank Martin, and then the other card was a uh, uh, Puerto Rican kid from Pennsylvania, uh, Stephen Torres. Like um, it was kind of weird, not you know, not letting the fans come in for those fights. They they still started those fights at like one o'clock in the afternoon Vegas time. They didn't open the doors till like four o'clock that day. It's kind of kind of odd. That's weird. So, huh. Kind of kind of bad for the fans because they could have saw those guys, you know, or kind of see these guys coming up. So I'm not sure what PBC was doing there. It might have been the the Nevada rules. It might have been related to COVID protocol, something like that. Who knows? It might have been. It might have been, Mike. But listen, I want to keep you up, Mike, so um, I'll let you go, man. It's nice talking to you, man. Yeah, man. Have a good one, Rich. Okay, you too. All right. All right. Um, Julio Arroyo in the chat ask uh, how is the Atlantic club scene growing? Do you see it becoming more and more of a fight destination? Uh, it, it has been growing. Now, w- what I don't know is the, the, there have been more cards post COVID. And I know we're still dealing with COVID when I say post COVID, I mean, post outbreak. Um, Cause I know one of you will jump on. It's still, it's still here. I, I, I know I get it. I meant post COVID outbreak. Um, there have been more fight cards coming here both club shows and big shows, right? We've seen uh, Tank just came recently and Jamel Herring's coming in October. And I think you're going to see that more. What I don't know is if it's strictly related to COVID because it's so hard now to put on fights in California, even in Vegas, it's more difficult in New York, or is it going to continue to grow here? Because the demographics for boxing in Atlanta are spot on. There's money in this city. Uh, it's, it's a sports market. It's, it's a big entertainment market. Now it's a big entertainment hub. So, um, I, I think you're going to see more, man. I'm doing as much as I can to try to get more here. And I love that Jamel Herring's coming to town soon. That's freaking awesome, man. Feeling dangerous. One, one, three with another super chat. Thank you. He says, what do you think is next for Montana love at one forty? That is a good question, my man. Um, you know, honestly, I see one of you guys in the chat says love versus Raleigh at 140 would be a good fight. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Um, I, I, I'd favor love, but I, I think that'd be a fun fight. Uh, the the lead up would be fun, the, the promotion. But I think, you know, Montana Love, now he's got that win over a guy. Now, is Branchek shopworn? Yes, but he's still got a name. Former title holder. He was in what he was in the tournament a couple of years ago. Had a fight of the year last year. He came up short, but he was in a fight of the year type of fight with uh, Zapeda last year. 
So that name now is on Montana Love's resume and the way he beat him. Dude, he's going to be in line for a title shot soon. I mean, Josh Taylor is going to move up to 147. Uh, if not this year, then definitely next year. And top rank's going to want to match him against, uh, well, that's if I was going to say against Terrence Crawford, if Terrence Crawford stays with top rank, which he probably won't. So let me back that up. Uh, I just think Josh Taylor is going to want to move up to 47 and go for some of the fights there, unless maybe um, maybe Tiafima Lopez moves up to 140 and you can get Tiafima Lopez versus Josh Taylor. But if and when Josh Taylor does move up, the titles are going to be broken up. And I think that Montana Love is going to be in line to go for a vacant title at some point over the next like 18 months. Uh, it's even possible he could work his way into a mandatory situation. But he's definitely a player now at 140 with, with that W, man. That, that was a good, impressive step-up win for him. Regardless of the condition Baranchek is in, um, you know, he, he really did his job, man. Uh, Montana Love did what he was supposed to do in that fight. All right. Now I promised you guys we'd have a fight preview. So let me get to this real quick and then we'll see if there's any more phone calls, but, uh, Wednesday, September one in Japan, Kazuto Ioka, remember him hasn't fought so far this year going up against Francisco Rodriguez, junior third defense of his WBO, uh, junior, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to super flyweight, junior bantamweight, whichever you prefer. Title, Ioka, first bout of 2021, as I mentioned. His last fight was against Kosei Tanaka on December 31st. So it's good to see him get back in the ring. Rodriguez is a fighter out of Mexico. Experienced guy. He uh, He's fought Chocolatito in 2013. He fought uh, Donnie Nietes in 2015. He lost both those fights. He's a road warrior. He fought Chocolatito in uh, Nicaragua. He fought Nietes in the Philippines. And then this fight against the Oka will be in Japan. So Rodriguez is not afraid to travel. He's experienced, should have just enough to give Yoka a good fight. But of course, I like Yoka to win. Saturday, September 4th at the Headingley Rugby League Stadium in Leeds, England. Matchroom boxing on the zone. The rematch between Mauricio, Mauricio Lara and Josh Warrington. Of course, their first fight was in February. Larrington won the first bout, TKO9, dropped Warrington twice. In that fight, I'm excited for this one. This is a good matchup, man. I want to see can Warrington show us he is world class and make adjustments and beat Lara in this rematch, or is Lara going to prove to us that he is world class by not only defeating Warrington again but doing it in more decisive fashion this time around? Interesting fight with a lot of um, repercussions in the division, right? Depending on how this fight shakes out, it's going to change. It's going to affect the way matchmaking is done in the, in the division over the next year. So um, I want to check that one out. Katie Taylor versus Jennifer Hahn. Uh, Jennifer Hahn, a fighter out of Texas. She has three losses, but all of them were split decisions, majority decisions. They were close fights, okay? So she's never been decisively defeated. And so this is a good quality fight for Taylor's undisputed lightweight championship. You guys know, I think Katie Taylor is the number one pound-for-pound pound female boxer in the world. And if she uh, truly, truly is that, she should be the first woman to decisively, clearly, unanimously defeat Jennifer Hahn and show that level. And I think she will in this fight.
And then Connor Ben, 18 and 0, 24 years old, just fought in April, TKO one win over Sammy Vargas. Really impressive win for Ben. Going up against rugged, grizzled veteran Adrian Granados, 32 years old, eight years older, but he's been in some wars, man. So he's even more than eight years older in terms of boxing years, boxing wear and tear, right? Granados had a draw on the Ruiz Areola undercard in May. This is a 12-round welterweight fight. So let's see. Can Conor Ben um, show us something again? He looked real good against Sammy Vargas. But the thing with Granados is he goes rounds. He goes rounds, and he's a tough dude. So let's see what Conor Ben has for him. Nice little triple header there from, uh, from Matchroom. I mean, none of those fights are blockbusters or anything, but that's a solid triple header that you're going to get on the zone. Now, not pay-per-view worthy, but it's not a pay-per-view. So there you go. All right. So that's it for the preview. Let's jump back to the phone. We're going to take one more call here, guys, because we are right at an hour and a half. So I think we got Nacho on the line. We'll let Nacho do his thing, and then we'll wrap it up. All right? All right, Nacho, what's going on, my man? Hey, nothing much, Mike. Um, basically, just wanted to touch on the card really quick. Um, I agree with you, like, the uh, the fighting stream. Jake Paul and Woodley, you know, they tried any and everything to sell it. I don't think you're wrong as far as, like, what they tried to do as far as, like, um, you know, trying to sell it to the public. They, they, It was like a total WWE-type, you know, uh, uh, script that they followed to try to sell it. And, you know, if that's the angle they're going to go for, you know, it is what it is. But there's, I mean, most fans should be aware that, that's what you're getting into when you buy a Jake Paul fight. Exactly. And if you're not going to, you know, and if you're not going to, you know, know that going in, then that's on you. Um, as far as the undercard, like I told you, like I kind of tweeted uh, to you earlier, I think Baranchek is done. I really hope that his team, um, you know, if they care about the guy, I really think they talk to him and convince him to try to, um, you know, do something else. Cause, uh, if a guy like Montana Love, who's a good fighter, not great, good, and he's not a heavy-handed guy, if he's wobbling you four times and then drops you a fifth time with a uh, uppercut that you basically didn't see coming, I, I think it's legitimately time that you start looking at uh, doing something else. Um, you were saying something about, well, maybe it was you know the the, the guy that he fought and the style. Uh, yeah, that could have played a part into it. If you match him up against a guy who's going to stand right in front of him and go to war with him, yeah, Baranchuk could still be effective. But I think at this point, the guy is so um, – he's been hurt and he's been beat up uh, pretty yeah. significantly, especially after his fight by Cepeda, that I just think it, it, it's just he's done. Like he just – you can see his resistance is gone. He doesn't take a shot really well it's just time. I hope they convince him not to get back in the ring because yesterday was a, was a, you know, evidence that he's done and he shouldn't be back in there. Like you said, it's a good win for love, but I think it's more of a, he caught Baranchuk at the right time more yeah. than he legitimately beat a guy at the, at the, at the top of his game. But we'll see um, what happens with love. I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, that fight against Roley, if Roley ain't got nothing going on at 35, I mean, that would be a decent matchup. 
uh, for sure. And then uh, the other fight with uh, I was a little disappointed. I thought Kuzmano was going to put up a better fight. Me too. But man, Dubois just steamrolled him. Yeah, Dubois just steamrolled him and took him out of there. And I mean, that's impressive in itself. I didn't think he was going to steamroll him like that, but you got to give Dubois credit. He went in there and he took him out. And, and it, it's, I think slowly but surely he's building his confidence back up again. And it, soon, sooner rather than later, he's going to be back in the mix, I think, uh, to kind of be talked about as a guy who should be given a title shot at some point, you know? And, um, and then the, the, the other thing, um, I was disappointed they didn't put Charles Conwell on the card. I would have liked to have seen him, but, you know, I guess they were trying to sell the Amanda Serrano fight, which, you know, it was kind of ho-hum. You know, the girl that she fought wasn't exactly on her level, but, yeah, she still ended up going the distance with her, which, I mean, I give the girl credit, um, Mercado. She She's tough, and, and, you know, and she's got some skill and she's experienced, but the problem with women's boxing is just there is no depth at all in that side, in that yeah. sport. And so that's why you have these girls struggling to find any legitimate opponents because there's just no quality opposition in that sport right now. And I still think it's going to be a few years before it gets to the point where. Oh, Nacho, you still there? Damn, we lost Nacho. Bro, I don't know. You put me on mute or something. You muted us, bro. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. Hello? Oh, there he is. All right. He beat the count. He beat the count. All right. Nacho's back. All right. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Hello? Oh, I was just going to finish up with Serrano. Go ahead. Go ahead. Serrano's had a great career and everything, Mike, but she's had a great career and everything, Mike, but I mean, I just think she's kind of in, in a time where there's just no real opposition that she can cash in with other than Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor might be the biggest name out there, but I mean, they offered her the fight once and she apparently said no. So, I mean, at this point, what do you do? Well, they could keep doing what she's doing now, fighting that level of opposition. And um, if she does that, then, you know, she can make a little bit of money here and there and she can get her title defenses and all that. Um, But uh, can you hear me, Nacho? Yeah. You know what people are saying? They can't hear us on the chat. Oh, that's really weird. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what the oh. hell happened? Yeah, Mike. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, man, I'm with you. She needs she needs to fight. Um, she needs to fight Katie Taylor. But you know, maybe they're just trying to maximize the dollars, so they could go for one big payday, and um, and that's that. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean. Because at this point, Toronto's just gone up and down divisions, but there's nobody there for her to make money against Katie Taylor. So at this point, I mean, like you said, maybe they're just trying to max it out as much as they can so she can get a huge payday and maybe walk away at that point. Yeah, I I guess that's the strategy. So do a couple more of these fights against, you know, lesser opposition, make a little bit of money. She's not making a lot of money, man. Uh, She made a pretty decent... um, uh, money on this pay-per-view compared to some of her recent paydays, but the big money fight for her is Katie Taylor. So if they want to try to build that up and get the most money they can, I'm cool with that, but you got about another year maybe to build that up. And then Katie Taylor is going to move on and that fight's going to be dead. You know? Yeah. So, 
Yeah. For sure. All right, Mike. That, that's my call. All right, Nacho. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. All right. Yeah, no problem. You too. All right, guys. So it sounds like some of you uh, said that the video cut out for a minute. It's, uh, that's probably the storm, man. It's it's storming outside here, so it might have just been messing with the signal. So I hope you guys can hear me or see me on the video, and I'm not just talking to nobody. Uh, either way, uh, great show, great calls, a uh, little bit of controversy, but we'll be okay. No show this Friday, no show Monday. We'll be back next Friday, but... I will post something on my channel later this week, okay? Uh, So look...